Hey everyone, I hope you're all doing well. We are in part 10 of our series, Respectable Sins, a book by Jerry Bridges. And in this book, we've been looking at all different types of sins that tend to be overlooked in our culture and in our society and even in our churches because they don't seem to be all that bad. They seem to be kind of lesser sins as as far as we estimate them and value them, and they don't we don't think that they uh, really cause that much damage. But in fact, as we've been seeing throughout this series, these are the little foxes that slip into the vineyard and cause all kinds of problems in our churches, in our personal lives, in our marriages. Um, they, they are sins that we need to be vigilant and in, in weeding out and getting rid of. And so uh, today, or this week, we're going to be looking at the sin of judging. And again, this is something that uh, I've spoken about quite a bit, just because there's so much uh, confusion and, and misunderstandings as it relates to judging. And a big part of that is because for so long in our culture, uh, there has been this misquoting of Scripture from Matthew 7, where Jesus says, do not judge so that you won't be judged. And a lot of people have ripped that out of context and used that to beat Christians into submission so that they don't judge people. They don't talk about sin. They don't talk about what's right and what's wrong. And again, that is a misunderstanding of that that verse. That is not at all what Jesus is talking about, as we'll see in just a second. But I just wanted to really um, drive home the point that you can take anything. We see this a lot of times in politics, especially you know here lately with the midterms, you, you see politicians doing this all the time. You can take anything that anyone says or anything anyone writes, take it out of context and use it to say anything you want about anything you want. That's just the nature of misquoting and and not respecting the context of what is being said. And so that's what happens so often with Scripture, and that's uh, exactly what happens with this particular verse. So real quick, let's go ahead and take a look at Matthew 7 and what Jesus said, and I think you'll see almost immediately that the exact opposite of what people think this verse is saying uh, where people say that you shouldn't judge, Jesus is actually saying the very opposite thing. So Matthew 7, starting in verse 1, it says this. Jesus tells us, Judge not that you not be judged. And most people just stop there. Uh, But here's what it goes on to say. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. All right, so pause it for a little moment and just think through the big idea of what Jesus is getting at here. I know the first half of it people like to point to and say, ah, you see there, Jesus is telling us don't judge because if you judge people, then other people are going to judge you and you can't judge anyone because, you know, you have a log in your own eye, so stop worrying about the speck in the other person's eye. But that's not at all what Jesus is saying. He's literally telling you, if you look at the very end of that passage, that you first need to address the things in your own life, and then once you've considered yourself, then you will see clearly 
to take the speck out of your brother's eye. He doesn't. He never says that we should leave the speck in our brother's eye. He's never saying that there's not a speck in your brother's eye. He's saying you can't see clearly because you have some stuff going on in your own life. And, and again, let me also mention here, because some people will hear that and say, well, there you go. We need to get our, our life right, and that's going to take a while before we ever address anyone else. But Jesus is not saying that you have to be perfect. He's not saying that you have to get all sin out of your life, and you have to be completely pure and holy before you can ever address what's going on in someone else's life. He's simply noting the fact that when... Oftentimes, when we have a problem with someone else, or when we see uh, something in someone else's life that uh, bothers us, that we see is wrong, that oftentimes our first inclination is to rush off and tell that other person what they're doing wrong, or what they need to get fixed, or, or whatever it may be. But what Jesus is trying to help us understand is that we can't trust our own perspective on things. So often, our perspective, our estimation of what's going on in someone's life, why they're acting the way they're acting, is skewed. It's it's distorted because of our own uh, biases, our own um, baggage that we carry around, all those type of things. And so what we need to do is we need to first assess what's going on in my own heart. Are my motives pure in going to this person? Or am I simply trying to tear them down or build myself up? What's my motivation? And am I seeing this clearly? Are there factors that I'm not considering? Do I need to first ask some questions? Do I need to prayerfully think through this and make sure that I understand what's really going on and what, uh, why they're really acting the way they're do- acting or why they said what they said? We often think we know, but oftentimes we're mistaken. We don't have all the facts. And so I think what Jesus is really getting at here is, yes, you need to address things. Yes, you need to judge um, actions and, and, and things of that nature, but you need to be very um, very skeptical of your own thoughts and motives and, and, and how you see things. And the fact remains, you can't go through life without judging. We make judgments all the time. Uh, even though those people who say that Christians shouldn't judge, they are making a judgment about judging. And so it's impossible not to judge. The question is, how accurately are you judging? Are you trusting in your own perspective, or are you seeking God's wisdom and his discernment? And I think that's really what Jesus is getting at here. So <clears throat> there is a a sinfulness in judging, uh, but it's not based around judging itself. It's how we go about judging. And again, Jesus says at the very beginning there, be careful how you judge because the standard that you use with other people, if you rush to judgment, if you judge too harshly or too strictly, that's what's going to be measured against you. And there's a whole discussion of what that means. Does that mean that God's going to judge you by that standard? Does that mean that other people, as they see the standard you apply to them, they're going to apply that back to you? whole big discussion we could have there, but uh, that goes beyond the scope of what we want to address this week. Now, the next verse of Scripture that a lot of people uh, point to when we start talking about uh, judging is Romans 14. And this is a really interesting verse here. Uh, Paul is talking about uh, how there are different of opinions and freedoms in Christ, and we need to make allowance and show grace to people as we try to discern and make judgment calls. Here's what he says in Romans 14, starting in verse 1. He says, As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes that he may eat anything, 
while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each person should be convinced in his own mind. Now, essentially what Paul is getting at here is there was a, a um, conflict within the church regarding two different types of Christians. There were some Christians who believed that they were free in Christ to eat whatever they want, clean, unclean animals. They could have some bacon. They could um, you know, eat um, uh, shellfish and whatever else they wanted to eat. Uh, it, it was fine. There was, there was no... Um, prohibition that was still applicable to them from the Old Testament law, they were free to eat whatever they wanted to in Christ. But then there were other Christians who were very uh, strict, and they still their conscience bothered them when it came to some of these uh, types of foods, and so they abstained from those foods. Now the problem was um, those who had a very strict standard, they did not feel it was okay for them to eat certain meats. Paul calls them the weak Christians, and weak just in the sense that their conscience was not uh, strong enough to where they could eat those things and still be at peace with God and with other people. They, they had um, a very sensitive conscience, whereas the strong Christians, according to Paul's language here, were those who understood their freedom in Christ and enjoyed their freedom in Christ. Now, just because one is considered, by Paul's language here, uh, more of a sensitive or weak um, uh, Christian and, and another strong doesn't mean that they were the stronger ones were morally superior or spiritually superior and the weak ones weren't. It's just saying that there were these two types of Christians, both acceptable in God's eyes, and each one needed to follow their own conscience as they tried to follow Christ. And as they worship with one another and interact with one another, they don't need to harshly condemn and judge the other person. There are things that uh, we need to just make allowance for and not allow it to cause division amongst the body of Christ. And so in judging, yes, you can make um, evaluations as to what is right for you and what is morally right, uh, but we need to be careful and Always go back to Scripture. Always go back to see how does God see this situation? How does he want me to address this situation? Everyone judges, but not everyone judges biblically and accurately. And so we need to keep that in mind. Now, uh, again, if if we are going to uh, judge sinfully, it's going to be because we are judging hypocritically. That means I'm condemning you for the very thing that I am doing. That is hypocritical. Uh, or when we can, um, when we judge someone ungraciously, that basically means that I am not showing you any. Uh, grace. I'm not giving you the benefit of the doubt. I'm not assuming the best in you. And and and. Until I'm proven otherwise, um, those things are not judging biblically. But those are things that are so easy to do. It's hard for us, as it relates to being hypocritical, it's hard for us to see the sin sometimes in our own life. And so we need people to help us see more clearly. We need the Holy Spirit to help us see more clearly. And it's easy to judge in an ungracious manner. You know, we are all um, quick to jump to judgments and conclusions about other people, but sometimes we need to withhold judgment. Sometimes we need to gather more facts and and ask that other person and just give them the benefit of the doubt sometimes before we uh, begin judging them. 
And you see this in a number of situations. You see this with people uh, judging uh, Christians, you know, attacking one another over the style of worship in church. You see people, um, you know, there are those who think that traditional worship and singing of hymns and playing of organs is uh, more um, worshipful and more spiritual and more church-like. And you see others who want to worship more contemporary, maybe because it ministers more to them or they feel like it, it it's better at reaching the culture or whatever it may be, that's just a preference. And it's not something that we need to condemn other people about or allow it to disturb the unity within the body of Christ. You see this with uh, styling of clothes. Uh, you know, I look around at some of the clothes being worn today and it looks more like uh, from the 80s and even the 70s. And I think, why is that coming back? But again, that's just my preferences uh, and, and clothing, and as long as it's not lewd, as long as it's not um, uh, revealing and a stumbling block to other people, then we need to allow preferences for that. You know, there are some Christians who only want to wear skirts and um, uh, things of that nature, and feel like when you come to worship on Sunday, you need to wear a suit. That's okay if that's your preference. Just don't. Um, force that upon anyone else who may not share that same conviction and same preference. Uh, We see this also, uh, Bridges talks in his um, book a little bit about judging people based on their doctrines. And again, I don't want to belabor this point too much. You've probably, uh, if you've listened for any length of time, you've probably heard me talk about there being different um, tiers or levels of Christian doctrines, and not all are uh, of equal importance. Now, let me really flesh that out a little bit before anyone gets upset. <clears throat> All doctrines are important. All doctrines shape the way we uh, view ourselves, view God, view the world, and how we live our Christian life. So everything in Scripture is important, but not everything in Scripture is equally important. Uh, by that, uh, what I mean is uh, John three sixteen: for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that who should ever believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's infinitely more important than some obscure verse in Leviticus about not mixing uh, different fabrics together. Um, both are equally inspired. Both are important in their own way, but not both are not equally important. And so we need to make sure we, we know what we believe, why we believe it, and which beliefs are core to our faith. So let me just real quick give you a couple of examples uh, from this. There are uh, core doctrines, and these are doctrines that if you don't believe in these doctrines, then you're most likely not a Christian. These are beliefs like um, uh, mankind is sinful and depraved, born sinful in need of a Savior. There's the God uh, who uh, has provided a way of salvation through Jesus Christ, His one and only Son. He is the only uh, way of salvation provided for mankind. These are some doctrines uh, that are core doctrines that all Christians have to believe on. And there there are not a lot of them. There are, are fewer core doctrines than some of these other doctrines. But you need to ask yourself, what is completely and utterly essential for someone to believe in order to be a Christian? And those are going to be the core doctrines. And then you have the, the second tier of faith. And these are, you could call those uh, these um, denominational doctrines. These are doctrines that um, you may be a Christian, but if we disagree on some of these um, types of doctrines, then we probably don't need to worship on a regular basis. You're still a Christian, but we, we probably need to worship in our own um, uh, various congregations that we more identify with. And this a uh, good example of this would be, uh, for Baptists, baptism is a, a good illustration. Um if someone is sprinkled, 
uh, instead of baptized, does that not make them a Christian? Well, of course not. They're still a Christian, but especially as Baptists, we believe that a, a, the first uh, step of obedience in Christ is to be immersed, to be baptized. And so that's an important part of our Christian doctrine. Um, we believe in congregational rule. We believe that there is a priesthood of all believers, that uh, there's uh, this, um, the, the Holy Spirit indwells all of us and guides and directs us, and so we believe that uh, that is an important part of how our church functions. Not every church functions that way. That doesn't make them less Christian or weaker Christians. It just makes them different. And so those are our forms of denominational uh, doctrines, second-tier beliefs. And then there's the third tier, and there, there are a lot of doctrines that fit in here, and you could call these personal convictions. Um, these are things that uh, if we disagree on these, it's okay we can still, you're still a Christian, we can even still worship together at the same church every uh, every Sunday. Uh, but these beliefs are, are unique to us. These are how we feel about certain things. Examples uh, of this may be the uh, translation of your Bible, uh, things like that. Um, uh, how you divide up or, or see the, the timeline for the end times and, and the book of Revelation, things like that are personal convictions and whatnot, and, and we need to make allowances for those. And so we need to be careful when judging other people's beliefs. And then uh, Bridges also talks about people with a critical spirit. These are people, and you've probably encountered them before, who they don't see anything right in, any, in, in what other people do. There's always a negative word. There's always a better way to do it. And they just are nitpicky and uh, critical, and they kind of tear people down, whether that's intentionally or unintentionally. And those are people that are hard to be around. Um, I would suggest if you find yourself uh, around individuals like that, you need to pray for them. Uh, sometimes you may need to confront them on that, and, and that takes discernment and that takes a patience, um, but you need to pray for them. You may need to confront them, and sometimes, and I know some people uh, think this sounds harsh, but sometimes you just need to avoid those people. It's okay um, to recognize that while we love everyone, we don't have to necessarily like everyone. Uh, personalities conflict sometimes, and sometimes the most loving thing I can do for another brother or sister in Christ is to avoid them and not be around them, and that helps to keep the unity in the body. I'm not going to keep uh, putting myself in a situation where I'm tempted to lash out in anger or frustration or become embittered. Uh, sometimes it's just best to not be around uh, that individual. That's okay. Um, and let me also say that if you can't think of a critical person in your own life, you may be that critical person. Um, and sometimes that's hard for us to see in ourselves. And so I invite you, if you're really courageous, uh, talk to some people that you know, that you trust, give them uh, unrestricted uh, permission to speak into your life and let you know whether or not you may have kind of a critical spirit where you are nitpicking and tearing other people down. And that may be hard to hear. Don't argue with them if they reveal that to you. Just kind of take it, thank them for it, and just pray about it and see whether or not there's any truth in what they've said. So uh, that kind of concludes our, our time for this week. Uh, I hope that's been beneficial to you. I hope that it's kind of um, clarified some of your understanding as it relates to judging and what that may look like. Uh, I hope you'll join me next week as we continue this series. We're quickly uh, coming to the end of uh, this study. I, I've really um, benefited from that, from it and enjoyed it. I hope you have as well. So join us back next week as we continue this discussion on respectable sins and how uh, Christ can help flesh those out of our life. But until then, take care and God bless.